strong is your faith? How strong is your faith? Because faith is what gives us access. Every believer has faith. Matter of fact, we know that to be true because the Bible tells us that. It says that God has given to every man, woman, the measure of faith. So, in fact, the degree to how large our faith is, is it's relative because uh, it's relative to who you are, relative to where you are in your time and space and life, and relative to what you're going through. The point is, is that even the apostles asked, the disciples asked, they said, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and it will obey you. So we know that it doesn't take a lot of faith, it just takes faith. So there are no excuses in this room whatsoever for any of us to say, well, Lord, I just don't have faith. That's not true. Sometimes you don't recognize the faith you have until you absolutely need to use it. I'm going to say that one more time. Sometimes you don't recognize the faith you have until you need to use it. It's just like the guy who says, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. I just can't, I just can't move. I'm just so, my God, oh, my God, I can just, I don't even want to, re- I'm on the couch. I can't even get off the couch to get the remote control. I remember back, back in the 70s when you were a child, you were the remote control, praise God. Dad said, turn that channel, and you had to click the button. You had a little thing. There's, there's a stuff, children, on the, on the TV called a dial. You actually had to turn. Now they got remote controls, right? And I'm so tired, I just can't. Oh, my God, I can't keep my eyes open. Until what? Until a spider drops from the ceiling onto their chest. And you'll watch their energy go from 0 to 10 in about 1.2 seconds. Come on, so say amen. Jumping and hollering and slapping and everything else, right? It's the same thing with your faith. Everybody has it. They just don't know how to operate in it and to get access through it. So we have this crazy um, Syrophoenician woman that we call her the woman of Canaan. That's what she's better known as. And she, the reason why I say she's crazy is because she's got a line on Jesus and she's not about to let it go. She knows that Jesus has the answer to her problem, to her dilemma, to her circumstance, to this demonic oppression that's happening in her household. And she knows that uh, she cannot leave that situation until she gets her answer. I call that desperation. And all desperation is not bad. Matter of fact, most desperation is a good thing because it will press you into God in a way you never thought you could in the first place. And this woman was so desperate until she's even being belittled and maybe even a little offended about what Jesus is saying to her about calling a little dog. And, 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 you know, I know you're pressing into me, but I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel, not for you. So she's got to walk through all that rejection and all that stuff that Jesus himself was laying on her. And then he's got the, she's got the disciples pushing her away, saying, leave the master alone. But she keeps on. She's so desperate. She needs a miracle. I'm just here to tell you something. If you want God to respond to you, there's a level of your faith that gets so desperate and says, I will never, not once, ever will I give up on what you promised that I can have. That's the truth of the faith that I'm talking about today, that faith that gives you access into miracles and into breakthrough and into your future and into what God's called you to do, your destiny and so on. So this, this Syrophoenician woman's precedent, she's desperate. Now watch this. She has no benefits to what she's asking the Lord for. She has no right to even ask. She's not in line for a miracle. Why? She's not a Jew. He says, I'm not coming for you right now. Why? Because Jesus had a timeline. The timeline was the cross. 
And he needed to die and he shed his own blood for the sin of all humanity that those who received him as Savior beyond the Jew could all be saved and now all would have access by faith in him. But he had not died yet. So he's now there for the lost sheep of Israel. But she won't let it go. Sometimes God sets up rules that he won't even play by. In other words, he's looking for somebody who will believe him beyond even the rules that are set up. Don't tell me that's not our God. I could take you back to the Old Testament, and they said all that touches that, all that, touches that mountain is going to die. But Joshua touched the mountain, not only touched the mountain, but went up into the mountain, and God didn't demote him. God promoted him. But those are the rules. I know this rule, but talk to David about the rules. You don't eat the showbread. Nobody eats the showbread. But he said, I got a friend in God. He's my friend. Let's go eat and sup. And they ate and nothing happened to them. He's looking for somebody that will step beyond the rule and say, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. And so she steps into time and space beyond the cross, reaches beyond the cross, and gets a miracle Something she didn't deserve, something she wasn't in line for, and got a breakthrough. But I say it's time to get a breakthrough. Church, true faith gets desperate. True faith won't be denied. True faith has no backup plan. I said true faith has no safety net. You ain't looking to the left. You ain't looking to the right. Why? Because true faith is relentless. True faith is not easily embarrassed. You don't care what anybody thinks about your tears, your shout, your dance. Come on, somebody. True faith fights when there is no strength left on to fight anymore. True faith won't let go of the promises of God even when your mind is screaming and says, it'll never come to pass. True faith says, it's got to come to pass because my God cannot lie. Touch your neighbor and say, have you tried your faith? Or has your faith tried you? Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise up in the air. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 in the Amplified Bible says, Now faith is the substance. That word means the assurance. Faith is the confirmation. Faith is the title deed. It's the proof. I don't go by what I see. I go by what I have in my spirit, what I know God's saying to me. And that faith that's the substance, it's the substance of what the things hoped for. In other words, I got my eye on something I can't prove yet to you, but it lives and exists in me. I said, I can't prove it to you. My job isn't to prove my destiny to nobody unless I'm trying to prove it to myself because I got to believe it on the inside. And it's the evidence, the Bible says, of things not seen. So what does that mean? It's the proof of the things that we don't see. And it's the conviction of our rea- the reality. In other words, do you have a conviction? Are you so desperate that you've got a conviction that what God is saying to you shall come to pass? Or are you still that man, that's the double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways? And the Bible says the double-minded man's unstable. Let not that man think that he should receive anything from the Lord. Your receiver is broken when you're two-minded, when you're thinking two different ways. Well, maybe God might and maybe God might not. You got to make up your mind. If God said it, he'll do it. And that becomes my conviction, you see. That's my conviction. I can't let go. I got things in 2019 I'm still believing from 2000. And a lot has come to pass. 
but there's a whole lot more that has not come to pass. And it's a conviction. I can't let it go. I mean, my mind says let it go. Just let it go. Just don't do it no more. Just forget about it. It's just too hard. But my spirit man says, no. It's the conviction of the reality of what's happening inside of me by faith. And faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the natural senses. Doctor's report says you got six months to live. Faith says by his stripes you were healed. Come on. I wish I could preach it here this morning. Bank, the bank call said, we got to repo your car. Faith says he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Neighbor says, we're going to have to sue you for the damages. Faith says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Do we got some people with some faith up in here this morning? I came to preach and tell the devil, we're going to take it back. No matter what you tried in the past, we're going to stand tall, flat-footed, let you know you ain't going to take another step in our direction. Our God has already provided. Come on. Come on. That's where I'm getting to. Everything you need, everybody say everything. Everything you need has already been supplied. What you're going through is not any sort of amazement to our God. He knew before you got there what you're going to need. He knew what you were going to go through. And you see, faith reaches beyond the natural into the dimension of the spirit where God has already provided and everything you need before you needed it, God made the provision for. Where do you get that from? It's all over the scriptures. It's everywhere. How many of you ever heard of Father Abraham? Had many sons and many sons. Had Father Abraham. We love the song. But he started with one son. Well, before that, he started with a promise. Everything comes in seed form first. Y'all didn't catch that. If you want to harvest, it starts with one seed. And the seed is the promise or the word of God. And he said, you will have a son, you and your wife, in your old age. It will be a sign. And you will have a son, and out of your son will come a multitude of peoples. You'll be a father of multitude. And um, they waited and waited and waited. And you know there's a lot of time that passed by. Don't have time to get all that story. But the truth is, the day came when uh, his wife, Sarah, at an old age, conceived and bore a child and named him Isaac, which means my little laughter, because she laughed when God said that she was going to become pregnant. So they went ahead and named the child after that, Isaac. And he loved Isaac. And Isaac was the promise. And he adored him. Can you imagine being 100 years old, having your first son, and it came to pass, and you're thinking, only God. And, and so now you're taking care of the promise of God, and, and you're raising him up. And yearly they would go, and they would go to Mount Moriah, where they would worship the Lord, worship God, Jehovah. And they would sacrifice to him there. And um, this was nothing new. This was a tradition for Isaac and for Abraham. They bring the servants and they bring the implements with a sacrifice, and that's what they would do. But one thing, was, it was different because God came to Abraham and said, I want you to take your son this time, and he's going to become the sacrifice. And he will be a sacrifice as a sign. And he said, I want you to do this for me. I'm Mount Moriah. You do it. He said, and he said, and, um, he said, and, and, he said, and do it this next time that you worship me. So 
He gets the sac- he gets the pieces, the implements together, the wood, the fire. He brings his knife for the sacrifice. He brings his servants. They carry the, the, thing, the implements for, for them. And they're about ready to go into the mountain. And he turns to the servants and says, you stay here. He said, I and the lad, we're going to go yonder and worship God. But listen to the faith. But I and the lad shall return. Now, he knew that he had to sacrifice Isaac there. But the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews later on, tells us that he knew that God was the God of the resurrection power. So either way, he was going to walk out with his son. So he went into that mountain believing God for the sacrifice, his son, and had to do all this. I can't imagine what was going through his mind. He takes his son. His son recognizes, Dad, we got the fire. Dad, we got the wood. Dad, I see you have the knife there. Where is the sacrifice? And he said these words, God shall provide. God shall provide. And you know what? He didn't in Isaac's eyes because Abraham takes his son, his only son, binds him on the altar, and then before he lights the fire, he takes the knife out of the sheath and about to plunge it into the chest of his son. An angel stops and says, don't do it. God has seen your faith, Abraham. Look over yonder. There is a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And this is what Abraham said. He said, this day he cries out to the Lord. The Bible said, Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh means my provision shall be seen or my provision shall be revealed. Now, what I need you to catch this morning was it was a faith journey for Abraham. He had to go up in that mountain believing and trusting God the whole way up there that God was going to provide and his son wouldn't have to die. But it didn't look like it was going to happen. But late in the midnight hour, right when he was about to... God shows up with an angel and says, Stop, but look over yonder. It's already been provided. What does that tell me? Everything you need has already been supplied. You just can't see it yet. Come on. This God, I said this God, plans the end from the beginning. He's Alpha and Omega. He knows what's about to happen before it happens. And that's why he said to Jeremiah, don't you dare be afraid of them. I know you're young. I know they won't understand you. But I know they look at you cross-eyed like that, but don't you dare be afraid of them because before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you and I ordained you to be a prophet. Before you got to where you need to go, God already formed you, God already prepared you, God already called you, God already ordained you. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Yeah. Everybody say, lift up your eyes. Touch your neighbor, say, lift up your eyes. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said to his disciples walking to go to do do their ministry. And walking by a field one day, it was not the season for the harvest. It was the season for the seed. And yet he walked by this this field that's nothing, plain, been picked clean. It's not the time for harvest. He said, "Uh, hey, what you guys see, because most people say, you know how Jesus is, most people say four more months and then comes the harvest. He said, but I say to you, lift up your eyes 
and see that the harvest has already come. And what I'm here to tell somebody here today is while you're going, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't think it's ever going to come to pass. Don't you believe the lie of the devil? You understand that God's already made a way where there seems to be no way. And there's a harvest already on its way. No matter what it looks for you, it starts with one seed and God will provide the harvest for you. Give the Lord a shout of praise. I feel like shouting in this place. There's sometimes, there's sometimes, church, that you say things in faith <laughs> that your mind, it just can't believe. Your mind, how many, has ever, how many has ever been in a situation where stuff came out your mouth? I'm talking about good now. Not the bad stuff came out your mouth, but you couldn't believe it came out your mouth. I'm talking about something of faith, like it shot out your mouth. And your mind said, huh? You knew it was God, but your mind had a hard time connecting what's coming up out of your spirit. I feel like praying in tongues right now. See, that, 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 you get used to that. You What's happening is you're priming your pump all the time. And the spirit man's always saying, it's going to say stuff. Come out. So when trouble comes, boom, the word of the Lord comes right after it. Because what's ever in you is coming out you. Uh, I'll preach right there. <laughs> Whatever's in you at the time of trouble, when the squeeze is on, what's ever in the toothpaste bottle is going to come out the toothpaste bottle. <laughs> Sometimes you say things that your mind, it, it wrestles with, but it's by the Spirit of God. And I'll take you just back in a moment of time. I don't have a long time to get to this, but we were looking for a building. This, this is a miracle building. Not once, but twice miracle building. And we were, had our little congregation in a school upstairs in this little, uh, this was years ago. And we were upstairs in a, in a, a little um, uh, theater. And uh, we started putting our confessions on our little screens on Sunday. And we started confessing the word of God that we wanted our own habitation. We wanted our own place. We were tired of going up and down stairs, setting up church and tearing down church and, and utilizing the building three, four, five times a week. And it's getting more expensive. We wanted our own place, our own expression. And so we began to pray. And then one day... I'm driving past this facility, which at the time was Marcus Theater, which at that time, Marcus was still a smaller operation. Now it's all over the United States, but um, they're based right out of here, out of Milwaukee. And I'm driving by, and I saw the for sale sign on the corner of the building. I thought, oh, my heart leaped. Oh, this, oh, that would be incredible for us. That's what we need, a theater. We do theater. That would be incredible. I'm excited. By the time I got two blocks down, by the time I heard, I heard this voice came in my head, yeah, but you know, you ain't got no money. You know, you got a handful of people. No bank is going to help you out. Don't even try. I swear, I heard him, and my head started going, I mean, it's hard to not deny that. That was true. I said, well, and I heard the Spirit of God speak to me. He said, who told you that? Go back and claim that building for the church. I made a U-turn illegally. Come on, somebody. That's all right. I asked God to forgive me. Came back around, right by Rocky Rococo's. It was different then. We had a small, had a small lobby. We built that since then. Small lobby. And, and it was raining that day. I will never forget it. It was just drizzling, kind of gray. And I went out, and I looked, I'm looking through the windows. And I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. I mean, it wasn't really that great, but it was to me it was neat. You know, it had a funky carpet. You know, the theater carpet, funky carpet. It had funky wallpaper, funky signs, and funky, um, uh, you know, uh, neon lights. I'm going, my people are kind of funky. It'll all match, praise God. And so I, this would be incredible. And the Lord says, claim it. So I, I looked around real quick, make sure nobody was looking at me. Come on, somebody. 
But then I pointed, I said, in the name of Jesus. I said, I claim you for the kingdom of God. I claim you for the church. You're going to be used in preaching gospel. And I'm preaching, and I'm saying, I'm speaking, that, and the Lord rebuked me, says, is that all you got? Is that it? I knew exactly what he meant. He wanted me to personalize that thing. Because you get what you say. And I said, in the name of Jesus, scratch that. I don't want it for any church. Lord, I claim this for Jeff Pruitt. I claim this for Faith Builders Church. I claim this for us. I claim this to preach the gospel. Man, the power of God went all over me. And the Lord says, you got it. Now go tell the people you got a building. I said, yes, sir. The next day was going to be Thursday. I said, yes, no, Thursday night church. I said, yes, sir. I'm going to tell them by faith I got it. And the Lord said, you going to tell them by faith you got the building? And I said, yes, sir. He said, I thought you already had the building. Either I give it to you or I don't give it to you. I got you, Lord. I got you, Lord. I'm going to say in the spirit we got it, praise God. In the spirit we got it. Because nobody wants to stand in front of people and tell them you got a building that you ain't got no paperwork on. Haven't even talked to a realtor yet. Don't have any money to put down on it. But the Lord says either you got it or you don't got it. This will train you. This will train you. This will grow you up quick. That Thursday night, I'm going to do it. I told my wife, I want you to do it. I'm going to do it. She goes, you sure you're going to do it? I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell the people we got a building. Okay. So I said, believe with me. And it was great. We had a great, it was a great night. It was just powerful. And so I get up in my little pulpit up there, and I'm ready to take the stage, you know, and I got my microphone. It's quieting it down. And here I go. I'm going to tell them. I said, Lord, I got to, oh, Lord Jesus, help me here. I mean, I'm nervous, right? And all of a sudden, I just said, I just, I blurted out. I said, I want everybody to know we don't need to pray that confession no more. We got ourselves a building. And the place goes wild. They're going ape. They're jumping up and down. They're shouting. They're on top of the seats. The bass player, I mean, it was going nuts. Out there rejoicing, my heart's sinking. I want to get out of there. I don't want to be there anymore. Finished my message real quick and got out of there so nobody could ask me any questions. I did, that's not a lie. Told my wife, let's go by Rocky Rococo's. We'll get a Coke on the way home and uh, we'll look at the building and pray about it some more, right? So we come, we're getting in line. It's like 9.45, whatever time it was. And we're coming around and we're just talking about the building. It would be cool, blah, 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 you know. And all of a sudden, on the west side of the corner of this building, I started seeing a group of people emerge like the walking dead in the darkness. But then there was a little bit of a shout going on. I'm thinking, what in the world? About 25, 30 people. I'm thinking, who in the world is, I made the mistake of giving them the address. Our church, it was our church people. And Jan, I don't know Jan is still here right now, but he was in first service. Jan Abuya was leading the Jericho march. Got everybody together. We're going to walk around this building seven times. And while they were walking around the building, I was hiding, come on somebody, and snuck away real quick, amen, because I wasn't quite there yet, but I'm here to tell you something. The next Sunday I got up, I said it again. The next Thursday I got up, I said it again. I kept doing a walking by faith, and guess what? You're sitting in a building tonight or today, this morning, because of what God did, and all he expected me to do was take him at his word because we walk by faith and not by. Here's the deal. As a believer, when you're faced with a situation that's too big for you to solve, you've got to have to learn, you have to learn to operate by faith. We have to learn to not allow ourselves to get overwhelmed by surprising circumstances when they arise, because they do. And this is how Jesus operated on in earth all the time. Because he did not, you say, well, Jesus gets away with it because he's Jesus. 
But the Bible says that he laid down his divine privileges and he walked as a man. So he had to walk by faith and not by sight. He is the ultimate example. And how many of you have had something take you by surprise? Even the last couple of weeks, I've heard people tell me they've been overwhelmed by situations going on in their life. And by the way, Rosh Hashanah, beginning of New Year's, where the enemy begins to attack you because the blessings is about to come upon you. You can expect it. More wars are started during this season than just do the history than any other season during this time. More political upheaval during this time. What's got you overwhelmed? Because the good news is Jesus already got an answer. He told his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. Some of y'all are looking for all kinds of details and instructions and stuff like that. Go to the side and see the first hotel you go to. And then there, there's going to be a person with a check for you. He just said, get in the boat. And we get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And he got in the boat with them. And he's resting. The Bible said he fell asleep in the belly of the ship. And all of a sudden, the Bible says a storm kicked up. That word storm in the Greek is the word genomi. And genomi means this. It means out of the blue. In other words, blue skies, no problems, no issues. And all of a sudden, a hurricane gust wind started hitting that boat, trying to put capsize the boat with big old waves, trying to bring it down. They were so afraid. They were so overwhelmed. They were so surprised. It was completely out of the blue. And they woke Jesus up and said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? Wake up. And Jesus said, tell me where the stern of the boat is. I'll fix this problem. He gives me, watch this guy. He stands at the stern of the boat, and the Bible says, and he rebukes the wind, and he rebukes the waves. And the Bible says, he says, peace be still. And even the wind and the waves obeyed him. But then he turns to them, he says, where is your faith? In other words, I was resting. I was doing just fine. I gave, you an order, I gave you an order to go to this other side. What I'm doing, you could have already done. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he didn't say he'd stand up and rebuke the devil for you. You're going to have to do that yourself. You got problems at your house? Rebuke the devil. You got problems with your bills? Rebuke the devil. Come on, somebody. Peace be still. you got to make your declaration bold. Jesus. God created church. i got to close. Created a world you can't see. Whether visible or invisible, the Bible says. Diminutive powers. He created something you can't see. It's called the kingdom of God. It's a world of influence. A world of opportunity, of favor a world of blessing or wholeness and prosperity. And though you cannot see it with your natural eyes, it exists in the spirit, and the only way to access it is with your faith. While we do not look at the things which are seen, my bills, my pain, my marital issues, my children issues, my job issues, my neighbor issues, I can see all that. He said, don't look at the things which are seen, but keep your eyes on the things which cannot be seen. That tells me I got two sets of eyes. One that sees the natural stuff going around around me, but I got spirit eyes too. And God can open my eyes to new possibilities by believing and trusting his promises and his word. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. I can see what I couldn't see before. And now then I trust that beyond the circumstance. Why? Because the things which are seen are what? Temporary. They're temporal. 
What she's saying to us, the things you can see, your bills, your problems, your situation, your circumstance you're going through right now, temporary, which means subject to change. It ain't got no choice but to change. But the things which cannot be seen, but you see, but they can't see. You can't prove it to them, but you know you got proof on the inside. Those things, the Bible says, are eternal. They're forever. Say forever. And I'm going to close over here. And I got so much I want to say, but I can't say it. Unless I do it in tongues. There, I'm going to close with this. There is an economy in heaven. And I found this to be true. And by the way, 16000 may not have been our goal, but it's fine. It's, it's what came in. You see, I don't stress that. I, I'm not going to worry about any of that. No, no, I don't have to because I'm not on earth's economy system. I'm not going to do that. Neither should you. And that's how a lot of pastors will put a lot of pressure on their, their, their saints to get. That ain't what we're going to do here. There is an economy in heaven, and that economy is abundant, and it's ready to flow to you right now on earth. But the currency of that economy is your faith. Philippians 4, and I'm done. 19, man, God gave this to me. If he ever gave me a word. And my God shall supply. Everybody say supply. Do you know what that word means? Are you all ready for this? Get this. It means filled to the full, all the way back to the top. My God shall fill to the full, all the way back to the top, all your need. What does need mean? It means this. It literally means, you can look it up for yourself. It means this. That which is lacking in your business endeavors, your necessity of duties, and your distribution of funds. My God, my God shall fill to the full all the way to the top that which has been lacking in my business endeavors, my necessity of duties, and my distribution of funds according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That word means in glory to recognize something for what it really is, which is to say my needs are met when I recognize Jesus for who he really is in this world and in my life. And I found out something. You can't recognize who someone is if you don't spend some time with them. Touch your neighbor and say, do you really know him? Touch your other neighbor and say, have you spent some time with him? I can give him all the glory. Why? Because I trust him fully. And if I trust him fully, I'll take him in his word. And if I take him in his word, my faith will explode beyond reason of my circumstances. And when my faith explodes, game over for the devil. Everybody stand on your feet one time and give the Lord a shout. Come on, shout like you lost your mind. Shout like it's your last shout. Come on. There's something in your shout this morning. Come on. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard what God has prepared for man. 
He has revealed it unto us, his servants, and it's time for revelation to flow to you today to get you out of your trouble. And that revelation is God has already supplied what you need. I feel a Jacob anointing coming on me. I feel a I feel a Caleb anointing coming on me. They said we can't go in there. The giants are too big. But they said this. They came back and said, "No, Moses. They're too big, which means we can't miss them." Come on somebody. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And God said, "That's a good report." Are you ready to give God some praise about it this morning? Put your hands together. Shout unto God. Give him some praise. This God is able. This God is willing. I love it. Because some of you are going through things right now. And you could have a frown on your face. But you decided to give God some praise anyway. That's just like that woman. She wouldn't let go of him. And she came back and worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. And Jesus said, great is your faith. That's the kind of praise we have. Woo! Here's what I want you to do. I need you to tap, high five three people and say, victory is yours. Tell them, victory is yours.